0: Welcome to another episode of Reboot Ed, the podcast where we talk about big ideas and issues in education and hardly ever come up with any answers. I'm your co-host, Andrew (laughs) Schwab, and I am joined, as always, by Mike Vormert. How's it going, Mike?
1: Hey, it's another Sunday, another week of uh, COVID nonsense behind us.
0: Yep, one week at a time. That's the way we go right now. Every week's a new one. All right. Well, who do we have but, to talk to today?
1: Well, I, I was going to say, finally, a treat especial and not a buzzkill conversation about about stuff. Um, we are really happy to have John Carippa with us. Um, John has a long and distinguished career as an educator, um, been there, done that, currently teaching middle school, sixth, seventh and eighth grade. John, I forgot, English and social studies uh-huh. uh-huh awesome thank you for being here um you're a little bit ahead of the curve from a lot of schools uh throughout the state because you now have a sort of blended thing where you've got kids face to face and you have kids in a distance um sort of learning program right
2: yeah I, I'm guessing you want me to go farther than yes.
1: Well, that's okay. No, we, we so, uh, Yes is good enough. Because most schools are still, uh, I mean, pretty much everywhere I know of around here, um, are still completely distance learning. And everybody is scrambling to develop plans because in the next few weeks, they will be bringing kids back on a periodic basis, not full time. So... Having somebody who's actually been fiddling around with this for a while and somebody that's got your depth and expertise in terms of pedagogy and, and working with kids right there from the trenches, um, this is, this is going to be really good stuff for folks in terms of ideas about what works, what doesn't work, what the challenges are, where the skeletons are that are going to wind up in the closets, that sort of thing. So thanks for being here.
2: Well, it's always it's always good to talk to the OGs. Uh, I think I think we've been hanging out as a self help group for something like, God, you guys, I'm I'm thinking since about 2005. Does that sound about right?
1: I think about then. Yeah, right North in North North that North.
2: neighborhood. Where, it's been a while. Or. Where we kind of invented the internet together, and then started uh, tweeting no, that at each other.
1: That, that was your other friend. Out
2: <laughs> Maybe the educational internet, but yeah. uh, I re- I remember the early days would be uh, a lot of fun uh, tweeting about pedagogical things all week, and then uh, on the weekend we would start sharing beer and pizza, and we've just we used to be just sharing a good Corona, and look how much further we've gone with beer and food since then. So, oh yes,
1: it's
2: been fun to progress with you guys. Um, yeah, so uh, just a quick overview, and then I want you guys to start hitting me with like, hit me with the hard questions. Like, what do you, what are your wonderings As, uh, you know, two guys who have been in education for a long time, but you're not necessarily living in a classroom right now, which is part of what I did. So, our district right now, we were, um, we were fully distance learning for the first few weeks of school, and about three weeks ago, we started bringing in some of our kids uh, in pods. And uh, we really had three criteria for that, which was kids that were really, really struggling academically, um, kids that were really, really struggling um, sometimes with input from their parents. But they may be the kids that never talked in our sessions or never handed anything in. And then – the other one was kids who just were just plain old academic risk. So we had kind of a mix of our our special needs kids, our kids that weren't doing well um, in terms of skills, and then our kids that weren't were doing well in SEL. And I'll tell you guys, it those days were positively electric. Um, those, those We would bring in about eight kids, and then they would swap for about an hour with each of us face-to-face. The response from the kids was incredible. So um, – I'm really looking forward to what the impact of of getting back together with kids um, face-to-face full-time is. Our district board, our board uh, voted, I believe, October 11th to go back to -to face-to-face October 19th because that was the last day of the quarter. And then at the last second, our admins said, you know what, we probably need another week. So we were due to go back tomorrow, the 26th. And then uh, you guys, I'm not making this up Friday afternoon at like 2:15, we get an email from the big boss and he's like, if you guys can believe this, uh, we're going to be shut down Monday and Tuesday because of no power. And we were like, Oh my God, you've got to be kidding me.
1: Oh, that's right there. I, I saw a thing on my Google newsfeed about PG and E shutting power off to like half the state because of wildfires.
2: Yeah. So, yep. so that's, that's where we ended up. So we're, we're officially going back tomorrow, except we're officially going back Wednesday. Fingers crossed. We think <laughs> it's oh, so crazy.
1: Well, if nothing else has been true, um, over the past eight or nine months, it's that we have learned to be very, very, uh, responsive to change.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that part's been positive for kids. Uh, I think that, you know, if you've got, uh, grandparents or great grandparents who were alive during the depression, um, you see, they have a different affect for some things and that they are into saving and they know how to Mm -hmm. do things on the cheap and they're less materialistic because they know everything can be wiped out. And I think our kids are going to benefit from some of this as long as we as adults couch it well. Does that make sense?
1: Yep. It totally does. Um, and these are the sort of, uh, Soft living skills that we never talk about in education, but they're probably more valuable than that killer math lesson yeah. that uh, you know we wanted to deliver tomorrow when everybody came well, back.
2: I, and I might pull back from more valuable, but I might also say, Mike, that when you keep them in balance in terms of their relative import or importance – um, I, You know, my take would be that it's it's not it's not a negative. Right. So, yeah, it's 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 kind of like it's kind of like um, I learned in my uh, social studies. I mean, my philosophy class at Fresno City College that a, a hurricane is neither good or bad. It's just a, it's just a hurricane. Right. right. Yeah. And and the hurricane can be the thing that does certain things for the ocean uh, and or reshapes islands for the better. Um, if you lose your sailboat in the hurricane, then it's bad. But a hurricane or a tornado or an earthquake, they just are what they are. And that's the way I'm trying to take all this stuff. It just is what it is. And then I'm going to try to find the good in it. I'm going to look for some rainbows.
1: So what what does the schedule look like for the students that are actually coming back?
2: So for the kids that are coming back, we're coming back full time. No, first I, week mean, we're- I mean
1: uh, over the past few weeks how you've
2: been. Oh, oh, okay. So for the first few weeks, we've been doing just nine to 11 o'clock on Wednesdays for the kids that have been coming back. And that's, that's why I would like to just point out for folks that those kids are jacked about coming to school. And it was amazing after even just one hour with some of those kids, their academics really exploded. Um, the online academics. So it's very interesting to see that, that you don't necessarily need to get a full return Uh, kids don't necessarily, I'm winking at you, Andrew. Kids don't necessarily need to come back five days a week to reboot that teaching connection. Um, we got a long ways with them just by them being in literally one hour a day. Our SPED kids just exploded. I had one SPED student who had literally turned almost zero things in. So I have 45 assignments in, in my sixth, seventh, and eighth grade language arts class. So 45 assignments in each class for first quarter. And the character that I'm thinking of has done maybe... Maybe six out of all of them. And this dude has been coming to school face-to-face um, for the last about three or four weeks. And guess who got 122 correct and five wrong on his Latin Roots quiz this week, you guys? That guy. And so I'm, I'm really excited about the potential of just getting kids back to school at any amount at this point. So with uh, you know COVID concerns in mind, I think that my, one of the things I could wink at uh, school leaders is you don't necessarily have to come fully back to get the boost. I think we can get a big boost coming fully back.
1: I think th- that's a really important point because the assumption has been that everything's going to be um, relatively poorly done until we get kids back to school full time. But your experience is that this sort of middle ground has some value that we're we're perhaps overlooking, that making contact once or twice a week with kids, for example, might be enough to stimulate them to take a little higher level of ownership of their schoolwork than being completely remote.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, you know, and Andrew, I'm sure uh, you and I, you've sent a couple of texts to me, like, what's the classroom look like? And for uh, any non-educators or or, uh, school folks who are not necessarily classroom school folks, the problem is with even a three foot radius around each kid, the most kids you can get in most classrooms is 20. So in the case of my district, what they did was they were, I don't know, it's crazy. Um, they were hardcore to bring the kids back full-time, but the the unintended effect of that was... Hey! <laughs> this is <laughs> the, not my dog. The unintended, the unintended effect of that, Mike, of going back hardcore five days is that um, we only have room for about 19 kids in a classroom. And I, my class has 34, which means half my class has to be distance. And yeah. so that that's the one place where I would say for folks... If space is a concern at this point, and wouldn't you agree, Andrew? In most classrooms, space is going to be the mitigating, moderating factor. That
0: yeah, I mean, space. Back, space is the limit on how the, many kids you can bring back,
2: basically. Yeah, bring bringing the kids back in thirds or quarters is still going to give you a lot of what you're looking for, a lot of what you're looking for. So I wouldn't I wouldn't pine away about that. And one of our little local schools here, uh, shout out to Jenny Cummings, um, she's the uh, she's the principal at Rivergold School just around the corner from us and um, she she's got this setup that I was explaining to Andrew the other day which I think is pretty cool given the situation So let's say that Andrew is um, distance learning on Monday and Thursday but he would get Mike he would get an hour or an hour and a half of synchronous time with his teacher with that small group and then Mike you would come to school uh, Monday and Thursday and you would get me the rest of the day say from nine to one nine to two right? And then on Tuesday, Andrew would come to school, and on Friday, Andrew co- would come to school. But Mike, guess what? You'd get a little synchronous time on um, those days, and then Wednesday, everybody would be synchronous. And what I think it's a subtly cool thing about this is that um, every kid gets teacher time every day, and yet you're moderating the size of the classes um, in terms of how many kids are coming to class, and then Wednesday... Um, is is prep time and synchronous time for the whole group. And I thought that was kind of a nice little, uh, nice little shift on it.
1: The thing I like about that is that, uh, unlike most of the districts that I've seen, where they're trying to develop some way to simultaneously deal with the students who are oh, not oh, yeah. in school and the students who are, you're differentiating that. So the teacher really yeah. gets to focus on each group and deal with the nuances of the differences between Face to face and and a distance learning sort of thing instead of trying to glom all that together. That yep. to me, take a note of that, Andrew. You might want to look at that. Oh
0: no, that's that's one of the things that I've been looking at for when looking at different schedules. And that is, I think, one of the challenges when we're looking at bringing kids back is we basically have three groups. Like three different instructional models, right? So, because we have a we have a group we know that's that's going to opt for distance learning only, right? So, yeah, hundred percent distance learning, and then in any hybrid model, which we need to to kind of make the space um, constraints work, we're going to have a group of kids who are in person and a group of kids who are at home, and and then they're going to kind of flip flop that, right? Yeah, and I think the challenge is, and we're also constrained by the you know the kind of traditional um, class size uh, numbers, right? So the, the, the number of students per teacher, basically. And right. when you take all that into account, um, yeah, I mean, either you build a schedule that includes time for in-person learning as well as time for that kind of synchronous live teaching for the online kids, um, or what I've seen a lot of districts do is, is peel off all their online-only students and assign them to teachers who just teach online. So there's, there's, and then I've seen the districts who also try to do the teach live in person and online at the same time. And those are kind of the three different models that I'm seeing out there. And, um, I'm not, I, you know, there's pros and cons to each of those.
2: Yeah. The, the one that I'm pretty vehemently against is the idea of teaching kids online and in class in the real time. And here here's why. If I've got kids in class, I'm wearing a face mask. If I'm wearing a face mask, it, my audio is going to be even worse than normal for the online kids. And that that's my bigger concern right there yeah. is that is is the audio piece. And then the second piece is the tech support piece. And if you guys have observed any teachers um, teaching in this setting – You're just constantly on tech support. Oh, my my audio doesn't work. Oh, my blah, blah, blah doesn't work. Oh, my blah, blah. You're just constantly doing tech support. Where's the button for the thing? Where's this? Where's that? And, And my concern is trying to tech support the kids in and out of the classroom at once is going to eat up. All of the energy left <laughs> that most yeah. teachers have—that's yeah. the the booger right there. I think the people that have talked about that are thinking like college, where I can just talk for forty-five minutes, and then my kids open their book and go, "I can't wait to do this interesting lesson," because my parents are paying twenty thousand a year for me to go to this school, <laughs> and that's not what we have in 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 uh, in grade school. It just doesn't work like that. Exactly. So.
1: Um... Andrew, let, let's let's kind of play this out. Andrew goes to school on Monday. I go to school on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, and then on Monday, because I'm going to school on Tuesday, I have some synchronous time with Mr. Carippo mm-hmm. um, at a point um, where Andrew is either heading back home or doing something else. Uh, Correct. Eight in the, eight in the morning. Uh, Andrew's in school. I'm at home. What are you setting up for me, and what are you setting up for Andrew? How what is, what does that look like in say, okay. Pickett uh, social science
2: class? Right. So for like social studies, what I would be doing is I would be setting it up so that I was teaching you, Mike, who was remote. I would be teaching you how to do DBQs, right? And then I would be and then when when Andrew got to physical school, I would be walking him through how to do DBQs and execute the assignment. So, what's been really working for me right now is I invest uh, a fairly luxurious amount of time in training kids how to do things. Uh, probably double the amount of time that I would use in, in, in what I would call real, real time school, maybe triple the time. And I was even doubting myself. You guys, I was like, God, is this really working? Now let me give you a couple of anecdotes. Um, you guys have both been around that you've, you've seen eight parts before, correct? Yeah. All right. Well, so maybe here was
1: what explained real quick, uh, post oh, yeah. stamp thumbnail. What, what, what is an eight point and why is that, why is that used?
2: So eight parts is basically a pedagogical shift uh, that I've been doing since about 1999, where instead of doing one part of speech a week with five worksheets a day, followed by a quiz on Friday about nouns, and then the next week do the same thing on verbs, and then the next week do the same thing on adjectives, and just ask yourself if you're listening, how quickly can I define prepositions and conjunctions? and if you can't do that quickly that's because you probably never did it towards mastery in school so what we do in in my 8 parts is we do all eight parts of speech every day about a funny picture think of the funniest meme or gif a cat uh you know a a, a frog jumping into a bowl of spaghetti a, a squirrel doing an obstacle course any funny funny thing you can And think of nouns in it, which actually is is really good UDL, and it's really good for ELs because it's very scaffolded, and it's super engaging for gay kids because they can be really creative. So we do eight parts of speech and then write a paragraph, and I'm going to tell you guys, it was like dragging a hundred dead bodies with me every day, like so slow, so slow, but I just stuck with it. I just stuck with it. Uh, My new favorite show is uh, it's a coaching show on uh, Netflix, and I was watching Doc Rivers, and one of his big things was Stay the Course. And um, I kept believing. When we went to do our quarterfinal, which amazingly enough, you guys, was on the regular time frame because that's usually my quarterfinal is all eight parts of speech. Um, I rolled in on Friday, and I told the kids today – Here's the template. It's going out in Google Classroom. I've got a blank slide in your eight-part slide. Find any funny picture you want from the internet and put that picture on slide one and then do your eight-part on slide two. You guys, I had kids that did all eight parts of speech plus wrote an eight or ten-sentence paragraph. They were done in 14 minutes. That would be pretty good in face-to-face, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Now – I had to because of our timeframes, because I've only got my kids about 45 minutes a day per grade level, because I've got two sixth grade groups, a seventh and an eighth. And remind me to talk about bifurcating my sixth grade in a little while. But. I now have a class, you guys, where every sixth grader can write a paragraph in under 20 minutes that has all eight parts of speech. When we do get back to -to face-to-face, I'm going to leverage that big time. So I didn't have my kids writing long format stuff. I had them just getting really good at paragraphs. And so um, that piece of the protocols approach, which is just same basic task every day, luxurious amount of feedback, and keep them going has been working really, really nicely.
1: So you use the same sort of protocol, you just kind of change the pieces that the kids are focusing on, which means Correct. they know how to do the work, you now dictate a new piece of work that needs to be done. Yep, exactly. Which is... Exactly. I think, and then
2: the only variable every day is the funny photo.
1: Yeah. Which is basically your prompt for what they're going to write about.
2: Yep, Exactly.
1: Yeah. Cool. Cool. So I'm working on this at home and then Andrew is working on the same thing face to face. Right. Or,
2: or, and so I'm, I'm using that face to face time to be really able to give you those minute inputs that you can't get in a face to face setting. I mean, in an so, online setting. So what's and then I can leverage it when you're offline. Does yeah, that make sense?
1: Yeah, totally. And, and I think that's a really key point. What's different isn't what the kids are doing it's what the teacher's doing. Right. Your interaction right. with the students face-to-face um, is a little more detailed, a little more, I don't want to use the word prescriptive, but you can hone in on more, uh, more specific kinds of deficits or, or needs uh, than you can with the kids at home.
2: Correct. And so for you, Mike, if you were online first... What I might do is just give you guys an overview of how we do this, but not ask you to do a task yet. And then you'll do the first rep tomorrow with me face to face, right? Oh, okay. And Andrew shows up at school at nine fifteen or nine thirty. I've transitioned out of out of online mode, and now with Andrew, I would do the luxurious version, which is all the minute, you know, body language pieces and reading their eyes and seeing how they react. And so then Andrew's group would get the full experience. Now, when you show up tomorrow, Mike, it's rep two for you. So you're going to jump right out there. Do you see how that there's kind of a yin yang thing going on there?
1: I do. And I also see a a, a component of that where as a student, you're going to kind of set up the framework and then it's my job to kind of struggle with this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm going to wind up maybe with some frustration maybe with Mm -hmm. some questions, maybe with some things I didn't quite understand. And then when I get face to face and you can kind of say, no, that, not this. Oh, boom. Now exactly.
2: So I want a small amount of creative tension there. I don't want kids to be upset or freaked out. They know I've already trained them by this point. If you fill the whole thing up, you're going to be fine. If it's blank, we're going to have a problem. But if you write, if you write what you think, I'm going to give you points. Yeah, isn't that kind of what, one of the
1: cornerstones of this growth mindset kind of environment, right? Where yep. it's it's struggle, but it's controlled to the point where the kids know that failure isn't failure.
2: Right. It's a first attempt.
1: Yeah.
0: When when you're planning this as a teacher, when you're when you're doing your prep and you're planning for these t- like to support kids online and in person. You're you're essentially having the kids do the same thing, so it's not like you're planning for two different environments, uh, correct? With with two different assignments and two, it's the same basic plan. You're just able to leverage in person that more, I guess I would say, um, more active feedback.
1: Um, That's
2: a good way to put it. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, or a deeper level of support.
2: And then remember the goal when I'm doing edgy protocols, the long run goal is always that they can do it without me. So one of the side effects of this is, is I saw a cool teacher who put something out on uh, Twitter and I, I, I get so many tweets. I lost this one in terms of where the origin of it was, but I've got a, I've got another one that somebody did a variation called story parts and it's pretty cool. It's, it's not. You know, this isn't earth shattering, but it's pretty cool because basically what they do is you have character one is the protagonist. You name the protagonist and you ask the kids, how does the protagonist contribute to or affect the central idea? And what does the protagonist learn and how do they change? It's just good meat and potatoes. And then on the other side, you've got antagonist. How does the antagonist contribute and affect the central idea? And what does the antagonist learn and how do they change? Again, just just good red meat of analyzing stories. What's the central idea and what's the theme? Well, I've been feeding the kids Halloween Geico commercials uh, using this template. But because they understand the aesthetic of put what you think and you'll be safe, and the other one of that we've got this tempo, oh, my gosh, they've done so good at it with almost no direct instruction. It's been great. I've been just throwing points at them because they've been doing a great job with a bare minimum of instruction. And my point of sharing that example is, once you've got them with the eight-parts mindset, which is fill the thing up and you'll probably be okay, you can extend it very quickly into other areas. They get really agile.
1: Yeah, and I mean, to me, one of the key tenets of this idea of edge protocols is that it's, it's a transversal competency. This this sort of right. skill set is independent of subject matter. This is, this is stuff that... Um, drive students along a path of learning how to learn, right? How to, Correct. How to put information together and make sense of it. Um, and, and being able to do the same sort of protocol, you know, the, the A part thing, or to choose the edge of protocol. By the way, for the four people that haven't heard of Carippo's book, uh, Edge of Protocols, it's a, an absolute must-read now there's a second volume so edge of protocols volumes one and two
2: and Uh, then we're just about done with uh, the math editions fully written we're just doing things like the cover and graphics so the next one's going to be all math wall to wall no no english no distracting science or social studies Wait,
1: wait, wait, hang on I'm, (laughs) i'm still angry that we didn't just you know, hone in on science right from version one
2: and and leave it at <laughs> that. But, well, so we're going to keep going. There's going to be an NGS version and a, an ELA version and a social studies version, maybe even a STEAM version eventually. Because one thing that helps teachers – notice I'm not I'm making it a positive statement, not a negative statement. Sometimes teachers are unable to see new things when they're in different contexts. So we are going to make it crystal clear for them how they can work in context outside of their normal uh, subject area
1: yeah and that's not i i I can't fault a teacher who went to school under a paradigm got teacher trained under a paradigm and has been teaching under a paradigm where it's all about content for not having a paradigm that allows them to transfer these sort of things and that's where this whole idea of 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 transversal competencies in these edge of protocols is so valuable because now we're talking about learning. We're not talking about acquiring content. Um,
2: Yep. Well, how about this for an even more crystal clear uh, way to put it, how long have we been eating bacon? Uh, A long time. How long have we been eating macaroni and cheese? A long time. I did not see macaroni and cheese and bacon as a dish until I was about 45 years old. <laughs> now, as soon as I saw it, I was like, duh. And then I had happy memories. My mom used to make, um, Mike, did you have this? Your mom would make macaroni and cheese and put hot dogs in it. But yes. for some reason, my mom never made the jump nope, to. Me neither bacon so it's the same kind of empathy as soon as i saw it i was like oh my god you could kick my head in right now i'm an idiot i should have been doing this for the last 25 years right. and then as soon as you do that then you start thinking well, what else could we throw in there oh, i could pour i could throw some brisket i could do a macaroni and cheese white sauce with some lobster and all those options open up so we're more than happy to help people contextualize stuff
1: uh, and once again i bird walked off topic but let's get back to this What's happening on a day-to-day basis? Um, you mentioned bifurcating your your class.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, and so again, this is red meat for you, Andrew. We we had thirty-four kids, and I will just put it this way: it was hard to love about a third of them. Uh, <laughs> they were very challenging to love, and it wasn't their fault. Like they never talked, or they were constantly missing, or they were disengaged, or they were th- logging in five minutes late to quick day di- i know i know mike's dog it's it's annoying and so um our principal gives us a lot anyway. of latitude our our, our uh, principal gives us a lot of latitude, and what we did was we split that group into a group of people that worked fast and people that worked slow. I want you to pay attention to how we split that, you guys, because I could have very easily gone, well, let's go boy, girl, 50-50, uh, EL student, 50-50. No, we didn't do that. We did kids that seemed to be a little discombobulated in one group for whatever reason, and kids that were are quick uh, actors and highly engaged in the other group. And I'm going to tell you guys, within three days, we had a dramatic difference. And the reason I'm pointing that out is when teachers start splitting the groups, uh, tell me I'm wrong, Andrew. They're going to do the normal thing, which is to, quote, balance their class. And balance the class means... Andrew gets three gate kids and Mike gets three gate kids and Andrew gets four resource and Mike gets four resource and Andrew gets six ELs and Mike gets six ELs. But the problem is that if you're just replicating the random kinds of kids in your classes, you're not doing anybody any favors. So we actually did this, Oh my gosh, 2004 back in course gold school, we did it two or three years in a row when we would have our card party at the end of the year. And I think all teachers know what a card party is, you know, um, And we would balance our classes. Our number one question was, how likely is this character to work independently at home or at school? That was our number one question. Our number two question was, how likely is this character to complete uh, group work effectively? And then we asked the other questions. Well, you know, it was very interesting because we each ended up with a balance, but we had three resource kids in my class who wouldn't do anything. We had three gate kids in my class who wouldn't do anything. We had three regular ed kids in my class who wouldn't do anything. And so I could coach them with a somewhat um, uh, homogenous feel and tempo because they all had a singular issue, which is they weren't used to doing work. And meanwhile, in my co-teacher's class… She had three gate kids, three resource kids, and three ELs, and three middle-of-the-road kids who were more than happy to write as many essays as we wanted. And we would flip them. And it was powerful because by Christmas, you couldn't tell the difference between the two groups. And I think there's something hmm. to with group dynamics Um, We literally did this. You guys will crack up at the audacity. We had like the third or fourth day we had some kids come up to us and go, hey, I'm in the dumb class and I'm not a dummy and I don't want to be in the dumb class. And we're like, I don't have a dumb class. I don't even know what you're talking about. There's no dumb class. Well, I don't want to be in this class. Okay. well, here's the deal. Um, If you can do your homework on time three weeks in a row and if you can get A's on your uh, Latin roots quizzes three weeks in a row, I can – we can have a trade – uh, with somebody who's not doing that in the other class and we balanced the classes based on who was likely to work and who was not likely to work and so The tone of each class was homogenous for me The tempo the intensity of the one class was do you guys want to learn latin roots? Oh my god. Yes, we do. This is going to be great Even if it's a resource kid or an now yell in the other class, it was this you've got four minutes Hop hop. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go and I was mushing them so same content instructional delivery was different and so when you guys split these classes uh andrew i would say keep an eye on that piece that the kids who are unlikely to work in a large class will still be unlikely to work in a small class that you split
1: yeah i think for those kids there's a history of their engagement with school Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and and the intervention required isn't punishing them it's Finding out what that experience was like and then trying to short circuit it and get Mm -hmm. them to understand that, hey, you you
2: too can do this and it's not going to suck. Yeah, Um, exactly. Exactly. And so we would actually have throwdowns between the two classes, which would be much easier to do nowadays. I could give both classes a quizzes number, and we could do timed math against each other. We could do Latin roots against each other for points class to class. We could have so much fun with that. Yeah. And 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 again, uh, Mike, I think you've probably seen things like this in the military, where. You've got a platoon that is uh, maybe the platoon where you put all the guys who need just some more focus. and guess what? if you do a good job of leading them, sometimes that ends up being the best platoon. but what doesn't work is just continually sprinkling people into the larger group with no particular parameter yeah and
1: in some ways it's it's like coaching a football team or a basketball team um, you you've got you've got people who aren't as motivated to push themselves uh-huh. um, and then they complain that they don't get any playing time. Um, yeah, and, and if all you do is, is just lay it out there um, you know, th- then they're going to, they're going to find that norm. They're going to stay there. But if you give them an opportunity to actually get rewarded for putting out, then uh, they start to find out that, Hey, maybe I really can do this. Maybe it's not so bad. Um,
2: right. Well, and the subtlety of that is you guys, we've all done this as teachers, right? You give the class a lecture because they fail the test, right? You give the class a lecture because they're not doing this. or they're not doing that. The problem is that is incredibly demoralizing for the majority of the kids who are doing their work. And so when you've got a class that's kind of famous for not doing their work you can give them a very different speech and you're not dragging the kids who are doing their work through that mud. And it's just very refreshing for that group. And guess what? We had explosive group uh, growth from our resource kids because they were mixed in with the gate kids who wanted to work for the first time ever. And that was, that was also a really big multiplier for us.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think definitely in distance learning, um, you know, we're, we're, seeing that the kids who were doing well in school aren't necessarily the ones who were doing well in distance learning. And yeah. I think that, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a good time to pause and, and reflect on, you know, what, what is it that kids need right now and how can we best meet their needs? And it may not be by grouping them the traditional ways that we have in the past, because, you know, we're going to have, limited time with them in person um and really it's about what, how can we be most effective with that time and support the kids who uh, you know need that support particularly in person um over the next yeah. you know couple months several months i don't know however long we're going to
2: be in this let's let's say undetermined time how about that I heard uh, Yeah. I don't know if you guys are a fan of Pastor Rick Warren um, but David Culberhouse uh, was listening to his podcast and he said Right now, nothing has changed that would cause us to want to go back to school other than the fact that we're tired of this current situation. So nothing has changed scientifically that would cause us to go back to school. I um, find that really interesting.
1: And, Andrew, we, we, we've talked about this. Um, the, yeah. very, the only thing that changes our level of fatigue and acceptance. <laughs> yeah. But the decision tree that was used to shut down schools, none of those parameters have changed.
2: In fact, if you look at the numbers, we're, um, ticking we're back up. We're up ticking. We're almost back to May status right now. So, yeah. um, that being the case, uh, we, and, and I, I'm, I'm just a cog in the wheel now, right? So I don't get to make those big decisions. But I would say that, um, my role right now is to make this as good for kids as I can, given my task that my bosses have issued me. Well, and yeah. so, yeah, I'm going to focus my educational practice right now on. Andrew, uh, pick pick. what's your best case scenario for us to return to school? What What is your what is your best and, – and I'm saying guess, straight-up guess. As far as
0: back to normal without the class yeah, restrictions? full-time full
2: full. without distance.
0: Well, I'm saying at the earliest, I would think it would be next uh, next fall, right? Start of school next year.
2: Right. And see, so I, my would, point is, is I would push it I'm, out even farther. It might even be farther. So my goal right now I is – I did
0: say best guess sh- –
2: uh, my my goal right now is to create the best time that is now that I can for yes. kids. I'm not going to pine away for what we're missing. And I'm not going to plan for what we're not doing. What I'm going to do is try to make sure I have optimal experiences for what we have now. Because that's the only thing I can control. Yeah, and I think that's an important message. And that's something that
1: um, I, I know teachers everywhere struggle with. But a lot of the struggle is they're just trying to bide their time until they can get back to something that they feel like they have a little more control over. Um, mm-hmm.
2: You know, and, um, and and I think that biding their time thing. Now we're talking Stockdale paradox, and I know yes. you guys know what that is. Yep. And so there's this pining away for, oh, you know, we can't do this because and we can't do that because. But I like the What's the old phrase that says? uh Today is the present, and and it's it's the thing that you give yourself, right? Don't don't look at the past, don't look at the future, because yeah, today you'll yeah. today once, and you got to enjoy today for what it is. Yeah.
0: So speaking about that, um, I'm really curious, John. So when you're coming back, you said Wednesday, uh, air quality willing, um, mm. you're going to be coming back in person. What does that look like for you, scheduling wise? And how many days are kids going to be back? And and when are they going to be back? And and um, and then maybe how are you going to be, do you have to okay. shift anything that you're doing now to make that work?
2: Okay. And that is a great question. So, uh, I, again, I, am I'm, I'm not necessarily in love with the idea that we're coming back like we are right now, full five days and all that kind of stuff. However, um, that's the charge I've been, uh, that's been laid on my feet and I'm going to make it as good as I can for kids. So Andrew, to answer your question, oh, wait, one, just one more variable, I'm only going to keep 19 out of the 34. So the other 17 or so, or 16, are going elsewhere. They'll have a different teacher at that point. So my short answer, Why Andrew is and Mikey, what
0: what, What's driving well, that? Well,
2: because some of our parents don't want to go back first. So they've been given the option to go back five day, but we got a group of parents that does not want to go back five day, which means they're going to be in distance learning five days.
0: With a different teacher, not with you.
2: With a whole new teacher, yes. Potentially a long-term sub. So that, to me, creates another potential for a schism with the kids, right? Um, So given that I'm only gonna have 19 kids and I basically it's almost like Andrew using a military uh, background because I know you and Michael get this it's almost like I had a unit with 35 guys and something happened it could have been a plane crash or a battle that ended wrong or m- my guys got stolen and given to another group but I've essentially got a, I've got a reboot when we come back it's basically reboot because the group dynamics going to change and who's there is going to change right all those things are going to happen so i'm basically going to do and this might be a world record for me i'm going to do my third smart start of the year on monday uh the difference will or wednesday the big difference will be that this smart start will be um uh far more advanced because we've already smart started twice and they have a lot of capacity but i'm going to give those kids the opportunity to reform the ranks with who is there does that make sense
0: yeah so you're coming back five days a week so basically you have uh, somewhat of a half class then but you're going to see all 19 each day i'll see all 19 five days a week yeah are they coming at the same time or are they split in any way
2: there are 19 five days full time, not okay. an 850 to 240.
0: Wow. Yeah, see, that's one of the other challenges. And I know Mike wanted a happy podcast this time. But, I mean, realistically, different health, different county county health departments have different criteria for um, schools to reopen. And I know, you know, a lot of people ask, well, why is this school open and this school isn't? And, and some of that criteria right. is really challenging because, like, you can have 19 right. kids in a class with our six-foot desk requirement for middle school. We can't in a lot of our our right. um, classrooms. You could so,
2: literally get be getting stopped by furniture on top of everything else, right? Yeah, just well, the, the norms of your furniture could space. stop the whole party. <laughs> six yeah.
0: six foot distance for for desks. I, I think any we're doing measure. We've been measuring different uh, you know, every time a new new uh, criteria comes out. We go and measure classrooms, but it's like. Um, our,
2: our you know, district is doing, uh, we're saying three feet in our district and I'm not sure, I'm not sure where that's coming from, but I'm not questioning it, but our district's saying three feet, yeah. shoulder I mean, tip to shoulder. I tip think top. some counties
0: don't even have, um, um, limits, uh, space limits between desks. You know, like right, I said, right. it's county to county, but, um, right. for us it's like, you know, 12 to 14 desks, which is 12 to 14 kids. So it's, right. it's interesting that, you know. And those things have changed over the last three months, too. So um, it, it just yeah. adds another layer well, of that complexity.
2: And that's why I'm trying to share with you that I think if you do two days a week with half-size classes, you can still get a lot done. It's not the same, clearly, but there, you can get a lot done with a protocol mindset because if you spend those first two or three weeks in smart reboot mode, and you establish four or five protocols in the face-to-face setting, those off dates can be very productive. And uh, well, one of the big things from um, uh, outliers uh, from Daniel Pink is that if kids or slash people, if they know how to do the task, the odds of them doing the task are dramatically higher. Right. right.
0: Either, as an outlier is Gladwell
2: and Pink is Gladwell? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh Sorry. yeah. Gladwell. Yeah. Um, Good call. but you know, you said something interesting that made me think about this. And so we're, we're meeting with teachers and, and talking through our, um, in-person schedules that we had set up back in July, June, July, mm-hmm. and, and just revisiting them for our, our January start. And, um, one of the things early on we were thinking was, you know, looking at our AB schedule, it's, a, it's actually an AABB schedule. So kids would come Monday, Tuesday, and then and the next group would come Thursday, Friday, but some of the feedback we've heard, and just in thinking about it, there's the the benefit of having kids show up on a Monday, and then uh, Thursday, and the and the other group show up Tuesday, and then Friday. Is you get um, you can set them up for that success in the off days when they're async only, mm-hmm. and you have yep. um, more frequent check-ins. You don't have as long of a time not seeing them as you would like you know because it would be five days if you do
2: if you do monday tuesday only you're five days off right right and that was one of the subtleties that my wife noticed is that if you do a little face-to-face synchronously and a little online synchronously with all the kids that means wednesday they should be able to execute the task with no assistance and then thursday and friday you're back in the growth loop
0: yeah yeah no it's it's interesting so that was very, very helpful. And it's, you know, in talking to other districts too, everybody's got their own kind of spin on it because there's so many different local variables. So,
2: Right. Well, like in Madera County, for example, I think we only have 140 hospital beds for the whole county. So it's just that we've always depended on Fresno County for hospital beds, and that creates a whole other situation in this county. So that's just one of those little subtleties for people.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah uh, to say nothing of what your two or four icu beds which
2: yeah just i mean literally in our whole county we might have you may be right mike there may be eight or ten icu beds in the whole yeah. county so and when just you just four people the that are sick it changes the whole dynamic right yeah
0: scalability well i'm i'm excited for you to have kids back on campus uh I think that's, you know, I mean, as educators, that's obviously, we would much prefer that. That's than, than, what we signed up for. Right. So that's, this thing that's, that's what we're doing made, right my now. big
2: sayings is almost everything teachers signed up for has been taken away from them. Uh, sports are gone. Leadership's gone. Human kids are gone. Not a lot of teachers are happy about the setting that we're in. Right. right? Uh, but I think as adults who have to, our job is the human child, right? So my perspective is the big thing right now is how do I get my souls through this experience with the most positive impact possible? I was going to say least negative, but I remember you guys said you wanted to do a, a happy show. A happy so show. yeah, how do I, how do I shift this so that they understand that this is a cool thing? One more asterisk though, you guys is, so we released, you know, Oh, we're going back Monday. Who wants to sign up for, you know, Cripo's class, whatever, blah, blah, blah. We got a really good response. But, and, then, and, then I, and then I get all the texts. Oh, this is awesome. And then I go, you realize that at recess, you can only play with our class. Oh, and you have to stay six feet away. And at, uh, at lunch, you can only have lunch with our class, and you have to stay six feet away. And, that, uh, <laughs> and I'm going down the line, and they're like, oh, so we're not really back. And I was like, yeah, we'll only be with each other all day. And we're going to be stopping to wash our hands six times a day. We're going to lose about an hour a day on hand washing. And you're going to sit in your little cubicles, and you can't move. So there's no – you can't get up and get a drink. Probably the biggest one that threw them for the loop was no backpacks. And I was like, bro, first of all, in 82, there were no backpacks, and we were fine. In fact, we kind of liked it. So don't get used to bringing one-third of your bedroom to school with you in your backpack (laughs) because that ain't going to happen. So – That's the, that's the tricky one is, is I gotta, I gotta help them enjoy what we do have, right? Instead of pining away for what we did not have.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's good advice for all of us at the moment in our pandemic situation that we're in. Yep. That's how we get through it
1: yeah i you know i I've been reflecting on your your stockdale paradox kind of uh, um, um, statement or comparison, but it's true that you know while we can continue to hope for things to get better, what we have to do is make the absolute best of what we have now um, and keep aiming towards that belief that down the road it's going to get it's going to get better but right now it sucks and you've got to make it as good as you can for the kids right
0: well and with that before Mike starts talking some more um, I think we should we should wrap up (laughs) I think it's been a really good conversation (laughs) but I, I and I know we could talk for another hour but
1: well the funny thing is we almost
2: came up with an answer yeah well, you know, in this. Well, and, I think there's some clarity to be had, right? I I would stop short of a answer, but, but I think we can be we can be experts at leading what it is we have in front of us, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Well,
0: and and John always does this really well where you know, John looks at a, a problem, something that we've been doing for a long time and thinks about it differently and I do You know, I mean, edgy protocols obviously was not designed for a pandemic situation. But the concepts and this idea that you can have a structured, um, you know, instructional framework that you can teach kids, they can independently work through, and then you can swap content out definitely lends itself to the
2: environment that we're in. It turns out to be wildly adaptable to this environment because I can coach them through this thing three or four times, right, face to face, and then cut them loose with a variation, and they still do very nicely.
0: Yep. So if there if there are any, uh, they, they may not be answers, but they are certainly guideposts, I would say. Yep. All right. Well thanks john for coming on it's uh always great having you on the podcast and mike i think this is our second week in a row again we were off for a little bit but maybe we're back in the groove now so with that john uh where can we find out more about eduprotocols? protocols there must be a website somewhere
2: well amazingly enough edgeprotocols.com, and uh i know that you built me a blog post one time when my tweets would auto, but I, did. I don't know if that's still running or not.
0: <laughs> you know, I don't know. I gotta uh, go look. Yeah. It was on Blogger. I'll go have to look for it.
2: yeah the, the best probably thing we're still doing, out there. The best thing we're doing right now, though, I think, along those lines, uh, you guys, is we're doing a little EduProtocols live show on Facebook and YouTube where we take a teacher who's really using protocols, and we give about 15 minutes to give us a run-through of why they're using it and why they like it. And uh, that's, that's been getting really good views. So we're hoping to do one of those a week. Imagine 52, 15-minute videos you can watch anytime about all these different protocols. And here's the key, how they're being used in real life. So we're really excited about that. And these cool.
1: are just on Facebook or they're also on your
2: website? They're also on YouTube. And when we get up to about 10 or 15, we'll add them to the website as well. So um, the Facebook page is called Teach Better, Work Less because I don't know if you guys know this. You can't use... You can't use unique proper nouns to make a Facebook page, so we couldn't have one called Edge Protocols. So I called it Teach Better Work Less. Hmm. And we're up to a thousand followers, so clearly people can find it. Nice.
0: And people can always follow you at Jake Ripo on Twitter. Yep. Which I think is how we ended up connecting at some point. I and, that uh, was our org. Yes. Yes. Uh, and they can find. Mike at Walmart 805 on Twitter, and I am another Schwab on Twitter. And with that, uh, another episode is done, and we will catch you on the next one. Thanks, guys. Music, Welcome to the Show, by Kevin MacLeod.